0: Hey Blood God listeners, this is Kat Bailey. Last year we recorded an exploration of Phantasy Star for Pantheon of the Blood God as an exclusive for our patrons. During the episode we talked quite a bit about the legacy of Ryoko Kodama, who served as one of the principal developers on this RPG. With the recent news that Kodama has passed, we are releasing this episode for free to all of our listeners to honor her legacy. Okay, on with the show. Welcome to the Pantheon of the Blood God, a monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the very best RPGs of all time. I'm your host, space feline Cat Bailey, and this month we'll be delving into Phantasy Star, the game that inaugurated Sega's seminal sci-fi RPG series. For this podcast, who is joining me today? Well, I
1: am Nadia Oxford, also known as that body lying on the ground in the very opening of the game. So, hi, how y'all doing? I'm dead. Sorry. <laughs> And who is our special guest?
2: Uh, this is Shane Antlion Bettenhausen. I love Fantasy Star. It's one of my favorite games of all time. So I'm so happy to be returning to your podcast to talk about this game with you.
0: As always, we'll be exploring Fantasy Star's history, its greatest moments, and its soundtrack, after which we'll decide whether it deserves to be enshrined in the RPG pantheon. We'll get to the episode in a moment, but first, some housekeeping. Thank you so much for supporting us at the $10 level. This is our monthly series in which we explore the very best RPGs. We've done Mass Effect, we've done Shimigami Tensei 3 Nocturne, we have done Terranigma. We've hit some real bangers. And Fantasy Star is the latest one. So we really appreciate it. You can follow me on Twitter at the underscore capot. Nadia is at Nadia Oxford, and of course, our regular Twitter account is at BloodGodPod. Okay, we'll get to the episode in just one second, but first, Shane, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? It is so good to have you back.
2: Oh, it's wonderful to be back. I'm doing pretty well. When we're recording this, we're kind of hopefully getting out of the pandemic-ish, so a little bit of a return to reality. I can go back to the office once in a while for a day, but uh, yeah, it's... It's good. It's been a good time to to sit at home and play RPGs. Even even better time to re- revisit classic ones.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow, you're really optimistic about this whole pandemic ending. <laughs> I, I love tr- it. I want your I'm optimism. I'm trying to be. I'm trying. I'm trying. To God be. bless you. you know, <laughs> yeah, trying you, you got to gotta get your sprinkles of normality where they are. Yeah. Shane, tell me what is your personal history with Fantasy Star? Because I know that you're maybe one of the biggest boosters of the series that I know.
2: Well, and I think I'm a little bit older than either of you, but we're all kind like, a little bit, Gasp. right? Like, you're kind of the cusp of Gen X and Millennial. I'm, like, a full Gen Xer, right? Mm-hmm. So Yeah, 1980. So, yeah, so I, I was there for Fantasy Star. Sadly, I wasn't there on day one because I didn't own a Sega Master System because very few people did. At least where I, where I'm from, in my, you know, like, in my school, I think a total of, like you know, two or three out of hundreds of kids would had a, a second master system. And like, you know, you're lucky if you got an NES uh, or, you know, a PC or like Apple II or something at that time. But like, yeah, SMS was never that popular and was just seen as like kind of this like, you know, slightly obscure thing. To, so luckily, a kid in my class, Mick, who was rich, he had one. And I, like, I heard he had a, and that was like part of my reason for wanting to be his friend. I was like, he has a second master system. <laughs> for real. I've been there. So eventually I got invited to his like giant mansion of a house and got to play his master system. And he had like 25 games for it, which was like absurd, but he didn't like fantasy role playing games. And, (gasps) and Fantasy Star wasn't out yet. You know, Fantasy Star came out in 87, which was like, you know, year two and a half of 80, actually came out in 88 here in America. So it was like year, yeah, like two and a half, three years into SMS. Um, And I'd been enjoying all these games. We, you know, back, this was you know, grade school, grade school? Yeah, it was like sixth grade or something, or seventh <laughs> grade. And, you know, you would spend the night, and we'd sit up all night playing Zillion, playing through all, all these amazing SMS games. And I was really happy as a huge NES fan who had this opportunity to play through this SMS, right? And like, I really liked it. I wanted one, but there's no way my parents wouldn't buy for me. It was very really mm. expensive. You know, I was lucky if I got like two or three games a year. So cut to the chase. Fantasy Star gets announced. And at this point in America, you know, this is 1988, right? Dragon, Dragon Warrior is not out. Dragon Quest One is not out in America. Okay, when Fantasy Star comes out, yeah, right. So like, think about that. Like, you like, I had seen, I knew what Dragon Quest was because like you know, first issue of Ten of Power covers Dragon Quest Three. Like, I knew what Japanese RPGs were, and I knew that I wanted them, and I couldn't have them. Right. So mm-hmm. i played Zelda, like, so like you know, magazines like EGM, GamePro started, game players started covering Fantasy Star, and like, my mind was blown. You know, it's like this looks like leaps and bo- like this looks better than Ultima 4, right? This looks better than than the best looking PC RPG. So like, and I remember Sega ran a three page ad for it in all the magazines, which are very expensive, like for a Fantasy Star, and like being like mm-hmm. this is this is a huge deal. It's four meg. It has a it has a battery backup. It cost sixty nine ninety nine in nineteen in nineteen eighty eight dollars. So I remember nice. I would go to, like, look at it at Toys R Us You're like, look at it, you know, behind behind the wall. Be like, Oh, my God. It's fast. Anyway, the, the, so...
1: the glass wall. The big glass <laughs> wall. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: So, you know, I was dreaming. One day I get to play this. I couldn't convince my friend to buy it. He didn't want it. I'm like, you're insane. Right. So it was, like, it was driving me mad. <laughs> I couldn't buy it. I didn't own the master's. But I thought about it. I was like, maybe if I save all my allowance, I can buy it. So, like, years passed. And eventually, in like 19... Like at the very tail at the very tail end of SMS, one of my local video stores starts r- randomly renting like a, a corner or Sega Master System games. They have like ten. One of them is Fantasy Star, and like no one ever rents these games. So I'm like, all right, I'm gonna like ask Mick, my friend. Like, can I borrow your Master? You don't really play it much anymore. Can I borrow it for like a week? He's like, okay, you can borrow it. So I rented Fantasy Star. So it was the strangest experience ever of like r- renting renting Fantasy Star to play it. <laughs> and i couldn't be i couldn't beat it in like the two days right and uh and like i remember i went to go rent it again and like my save had been erased <laughs> oh. so, I, so i had to no. start over right and i started so, so renting it during that like two weeks i had his sms i wasn't I, I wasn't able to get that far i got like halfway yeah and i was like oh man i have to have it reminded
0: game. me of the stories nadia that you were telling about the stories you were telling about saved games in rpgs at the oh. rental shop oh.
2: Oh right! Yeah, you hope yeah. It's, you hope it's there. You are you are you, are you like continue someone else's game, and the names are all weird. You're like, what are these names? <laughs>
1: yeah, you just kind of like uh, we actually talked about this a little bit too. in just the other episode of restaurants is, uh, uh, I was lucky. I got to rent games for a week at a time because we went to an video store, and we would kind of like help each. Everyone would kind of help each other out with their game saves. Like there was always that one game save that was close to the end of the game, and nobody ever erased that except once in a while, I'd get a jerk who did that, but. Yeah, we always just had those those saves to kind of you know like be un- a community almost. Yeah, it's like, like it's a,
2: unspoken like community unspoken community. Respect. Yeah, it was really yeah. cool. Oh, that's awesome. So when when Genesis came out, and I finally got a Sega Genesis like about six months after it came out, my like I convinced my my mom like you know for my birthday and Christmas, and like the power base converter was like thirty five dollars, which was a full Sega Master system you put on top of your Sega Genesis. So, like finally, I had my own Sega Master system, and I'd waited so long that at this point. Fantasy Star was—I remember it was twenty-four ninety-nine at Sears. So I went to Sears nice. and bought my my own brand new copy of Fantasy Star, and finally was able to play all the way through it to conclusion. And you know, it was—it blew my mind because, you know, at this point I had I'd played Dragon Warrior, but I hadn't yet played Final Fantasy. And this, you know, if you play, in, in the context of the, coming out before Dragon Warrior One or Final Fantasy, I think Fantasy Star is unbelievably complicated and beautiful Mm -hmm. and progressive and you know just this bizarre thing that you you know as good as good of a development house as sega had been there was nothing in their dna to really make you think they could do this so as someone who had played sega games in arcades like I, i i just couldn't believe it and like so i always had this warped view of like oh enix and square had better live up to this and as much as i as much as i liked dragon warrior I was actually pretty disappointed by Dragon Warrior. As much as I was okay with Dragon Warrior and liked Final Fantasy, I at the time was like, "Yeah, these games aren't as good as Fantasy Star." So I think when Fantasy my, Star that's my origin out. story with Fantasy Star. Yeah.
1: When <laughs> Fantasy Star came out in Japan, I think that Dragon Quest three had just come out or was yes. like just yes. coming out. So yeah. that's still an incredibly complex RPG, but it certainly doesn't look as good as Fantasy Star.
0: I think that at this time also the Sega Master System was almost like a myth to me. Mm-hmm. Where did you know anybody? Did you know anybody Sega... who had one? Like, no, you never met that... a single person. <laughs> yeah. The video game magazines told me that the Sega Master System was a thing and that it existed. But I never saw them in stores. I, I think they must have kept them behind the counters, like illicit or something like that.
2: They would have a little tiny section. If you went, yeah, if you went to like a Sears or by me and Montgomery Ward, maybe there'd be like a, a little tiny section. And because they were the games were all in those white checkerboard like kind of oh, grid, grid boxes, that all looked the same. Yeah, it was just always like, "Oh, what's that? It's weird." <laughs> yeah, the r- infamous wrestling um, artwork art for pro, the, the pro
1: wrestling team. cover. It's, it's, uh, it's so play. terrible. And but, there wasn't there a uh, a box art where it was literally someone holding
2: the card, and that was the box. Art? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, all, all of the my card games, the card games are just like a uh, hand holding a card of a card. That's fantastic! That well, was Tonka. Good job. And what's weird is Fantasy Star kind of breaks that mold by having beautiful artwork yes. on most of the art on most of the cover. And weird, strangely better artwork i think than the japanese cover which never happens so like oh yeah and sega did treat it like it was you know hot shit when it came out they knew what they had and then and you know it barely got you know it, i remember it didn't get reviewed that many places like i don't even think egm gave it a, like it was bef- it, egm reviewed it before they had a numerical score it got a direct hit in like the issue zero of egm which was, <laughs> which was like a zero to four scale a miss to a direct hit um but yeah it was it was kind of a legend and like you know, I, and most of my friends didn't had no idea what it was. People would come to my house to see it. Like, my, like my a zoo? Be- my neighbor, Todd, he he begged me to borrow like my whole Genesis and my power base converter so he could play it because he loved it so much. And so, well, and also you know, early on, Phantasy Star 2 had been announced. So really by the time Phantasy Star was just kind of catching on, like the existence of Fantasy Star 2 was known. Mm-hmm. Which was also interesting. So That must have been like really exciting to you. Oh, yeah, like those first screenshots of like the goddesses on the title screen, which look kind of like Alice. I was just like, oh, my God, take my money, you know? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I remember looking at the advertisements and some of the reviews that I was seeing in magazines, especially for Fantasy Star 2, but to a lesser extent, Fantasy Star 1. And it was the first... RPG that I can remember kind of blowing my mind with the sheer scope. This idea that I was like, You're traveling to uh, multiple planets. Well, wow, that's, that, that's incredible. The, that's the thing. It's like, it's clearly, you know, basically
2: Star Wars, the JRPG th- filtered through like giant spacefaring opera anime or something. But like the scope of it, like the fact that you go on this adventure to three planets, finding all these with this weird cast of interesting, strange party member characters. And getting these different vehicles to, you know, plus these unbelievable first-person dungeons—it's like—and combat with beautiful, beautiful animations and backgrounds in combat at a time when no nothing had this. If you look at what combat looks like in again, like Ultima Four, Ultima Five, like what was considered like you know a great PC RPG something like this is so much more dynamic and creative and pretty, mm-hmm. and and just mm-hmm. wild, wildly ambitious. Like like you know, again, look at look at Final Fantasy One and Two, even on. on on Famicom (laughs) NES compared to this, just like you know, it's it's a it's a it's a bigger scope and and there's there's more cutscenes. There's like you know, yeah, like kind of like you know, not full screen but like half screen, cool, cool, you know, drawn. Fantasy cut scenes. Star always
1: had those though. They're like that's what always set them apart for me was that just that unapologetically anime aesthetic where they'd use for cutscenes that right. a lot of
2: places weren't doing in at the time, especially in the West. Right, and and like from the outset, like the, that opening cutscene where Alice watches her brother Nero get killed by the stormtroopers, and it's like it's it's, it's heavy, and it's like you know, again, this is like 1988, right? Yeah, this the stakes is...
1: are right there, <laughs> and that's
2: pretty cool. Yeah. It's it, it's it's fantastic, and to be there at the time, it was like mind-blowing, broadened my horizons, like, made me kind of reassess what I thought video games could do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and it was also very difficult, you know? This was like oh, a yeah. very difficult My probably my first really hard JRPG, right? Because, like, again, I hadn't played Dragon Warrior yet, you know? Like, yeah and like it's funny to think about playing dragon War after this and be like, I mean, like, what is this? I mean, eventually I did make it all the way <laughs> I made it all the way through Dragon War, but I was like, huh? and I, got, I knew it was old, but I like but like yeah, it's it, it it's tough Cause I, I think it took it took a lot of time for me for me to like, you know find other games as good as Fantasy Star. so it's always yeah, had a it's, thing. Always, it's always had a special place. One thing I wrote about
1: when I was at US Gamer was how maybe Nintendo should have skipped one for Dragon Quest and gone straight to three because it would have been around the same time, but that would have been a lot of text to translate, but
2: it's so much better well they were handing out free copies when you res- yeah like I actually got a free copy just because like I resubscribed to Nintendo Power I remember like me and all of my friends were just like sent Dragon Warriors by Nintendo <laughs> 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 and you couldn't get your hands on Fantasy Star but you could build a house out of Dragon Warrior I know right well and you know another thing that bummed me out is in Japan they did release Fantasy Star for the Mega Drive like kind of a straight port
1: I a, read a- about that yeah yeah because like a straight, apparently uh, a straight
2: port and it, you know, was, it
1: was yeah it was so hard to find the game right, that and, and people
2: I kind of wish they would would have done that here, just so like more people would yeah. have played it back then. Because I think you know, Fantasy Star Two and Three and Four obviously had you know were, were a big deal. But I think I felt like Fantasy Star One, despite being respected and kind of legendary, not a lot of people had actually played it back mm-hmm. in the day.
0: Yeah. Well, Fantasy Star was released in Japan on December twentieth, nineteen eighty seven, and it was released in North America in November nineteen eighty eight. Here is some of what was happening in the world of games, movies, and music in November nineteen eighty eight. In games. It was really the popularity in games. It was really the peak of popularity for the Famicom, and the NES was definitely like very up there as well. I mean, Nadia, you listed so many great games that came out around this time. I mean, Super Mario Brothers three came out, I believe, just a couple weeks after mm-hmm. Fantasy Star One. So this is just kind of squarely giving you an idea of where this was. It was like ground zero for the absolute peak. Of the NES I would say
1: yeah I listed some of the games that were out in both North America and Japan around the same time like you said Mario 3 was just coming out in Japan I mentioned Dragon Warrior 3 uh, Mega Man 2 in America uh, just a lot of games that I think might have uh, helped helped like North Americans kind of not realize what was going on with Fancy Star
2: yeah I would say Holiday 88 was the peak probably the peak of NES and it was the time between like you know Super Mario 2 was absurdly popular right. Mega Man that 2 had, Mega Man 2 had come out and that was that was the chip shortage Christmas where Zelda uh. 2 Zelda 2 was allegedly out but you literally could not find it like I, I you know I waited my entire life all of 3 <laughs> years all of 3 years for Zelda 2 and like it was the one thing I wanted I didn't get it and uh my my friend my other rich friend his his mother his mother flew to Canada to buy it for him and flew back to yeah. Kentucky. Uh, and then after, remember when I got back to school in January, I was complaining that I, that I didn't get it. And my teacher, Mrs. Shelley, she overheard me. and She's like, oh, my son got that game for Christmas and he doesn't like it. Would you like to borrow it? I was like, yes. And, my, <laughs> and she brought it in the next day and I borrowed her son's copy of Zelda 2 and beat it. Wow, I couldn't buy that's my own awesome. copy for like two months. It was very hard to get.
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, see, I wasn't really. I was kind of a latecomer to the Nintendo. I didn't have one by then, and but I had heard that Zelda Two was perfectly available here. I mean, I have lots of friends who have Zelda Two, and
2: yeah. apparently in, in America it was Hot. a quote unquote chip shortage. <laughs> yep, it was, it was Canadian. Canadians had taken all of our Zelda Twos, and I remember mm-hmm. I would look at his copy, and the manual was in French partially. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I was actually actually that's an interesting point because we were talking the other day about manuals on Retronauts, and. The manual for Zelda Two in Canada, I didn't realize it for many, many years until I saw my American husband's manual. It was truncated because to oh, fit all the French in. Did, so did I was. Did missing... you not get
2: all eight pages of that amazing story? Like the super. We didn't complicated get all story. the story. We didn't oh. get
1: all the pictures. We didn't get all the all the images. I was just like, wow, that's a oh, I I was... that's a great instruction book.
2: You you take me back to, you know, I love that manual so much that I I became this, like, evangelical Zelda 2 truther among all my friends, explaining to them, who none of them had read the manual, like, wait, 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 this Zelda isn't the Zelda from the first game, you know? Like, I I, I was trying to explain to all of them, like, what are you talking about? I was like, the manual, it's like this, you know, novel in there. It's Ridiculous. the lore yeah. that blew all our little minds back well, in the day. If you think about it, it's wild the amount of lore that they increased from yeah. Zelda One to Zelda Two. Anyway, it was
1: cool. I yeah. love
2: I love that manual. Yeah. Truncated aside. Well, and speaking of lore, I think like the weird mashup of sci-fi and fantasy in Fantasy Star is really unique and quirky and strange. And yeah. you know, I think it it really peaks here and in four. And I think two is a little bit harder edged, and three is completely outside of all of it. Really. But, yeah, I remember at the time enjoying the weird juxtaposition of, like, serious sci-fi, but, like, hamburgers and weird, weird goofy aliens, <laughs> kind of. And Coke. Yeah, you buy Coke yeah. at, the, at, the, at the fast food, first food. Um, yeah, like, it's a weird it's a weird mashup, and, I, and it's fun.
0: What I think is interesting is that Phantasy Star came out a month after the release of the Sega Genesis in mm-hmm. Japan, or the Sega Mega Drive, if you prefer, and so that kind of told me that the Sega Master System was very much on its way out when Fantasy Star came around. So in a way, it was almost like a, a last hurrah, as it were.
2: Right. I wonder if they greenlit it like t- you know two years prior, thinking it would get out sooner or something, right? Or like, mm-hmm. you know, it was their big answer to fight Famicom. And then like, ultimately, even though it's fantastic as it is, it was like, oh, they already kind of moved on.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it was a direct response to Dragon Quest. Right. So I probably 1987 thereabouts, but... You know, uh, by the Sega Master System just never really got a foothold anywhere except South America. Interesting, right, Brazil, <laughs> Brazil, it's huge, not in
2: Brazil. <laughs> huge Brazil has like, yeah a bunch of original games there and stuff. Um, but yeah, like Fantasy Star coming out when it did, and then being pretty quickly brought to America. The fact that it came out in North America less than a year later with a reasonable localization ish for the time. There, know. there was a lot worse in terms of there localization. Was, yeah, it could it could have been worse. Um, so yeah, like I remember it's almost like Sega of America slash Tonka tr- knew what they had. And like, they're like, well, you know, it hasn't dried up, you know, the market hasn't dried up for Sega Master System here. Anybody who has one, who's still buying games for it, this is the thing you've been waiting for. Mm-hmm. And we'll charge a lot of money for it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Four megabytes don't come cheap.
2: Well, you think that in the battery probably was expensive, just costing battery. Yeah. 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 So it was, yeah, it's kind of this anomaly and we're lucky we got it and we're lucky they they must have quickly greenlit Fanny Star 2 because it was in production, mm-hmm. you know, while before this came out, you know.
0: Yeah. Meanwhile, in the movies, Land Before Time, that was the movie that five-year-old Cat when saw. It was all the rage oh. in our kindergarten, so. You were in kindergarten? Oh my god. Yep. 88.
1: Um, were you scared? Because I know a lot of kids who saw it were scared.
0: Yeah. Oh, oh, definitely when Sharp 2 showed up, yes.
1: Yeah. When I was that age, my mom took me to see Secret of Nim*, and apparently I was scared of that.
2: It's pretty
0: yeah. disturbing,
2: but you know what, what's the weirdest thing about the Land Before Time is like there are literally I think fourteen features. Yes. <laughs> in the Land Before yeah. Time, it's like the longest franchise you've ever heard of. You're like, what? How are there I saw a video different? on
1: YouTube where someone under like when they were under quarantine, they reviewed all fourteen video of, oh of the movie.
0: So I, I didn't watch it, but Yikes. that sounds like a day, all right. Yeah. And finally, in music, George Michael's Faith is number one on the U.S. Billboard, followed by INXS's Need You Tonight and Got My Mind Set On You by George Harrison. But of course, there's also Kokomo by the Beach Boys, which I had no idea uh, the Beach Boys were still a thing in 1988, you, but there That you was go. like, oh,
2: they sure but, were. That was the Mike Love Beach Boys, um, but the song was a hit because it was in cocktail. I wanted to do, uh, what, what was two
0: albums before Kokomo? What was it, what was? <laughs> official Beach Boys, Konosura Capelli has no idea. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All
0: right, let's talk a little bit about Fantasy Star itself. Well, here are a few things that you should know about it. First of all, It's a first-person dungeon crawler for the Sega Master System with a very light story. But what is there is pretty cool. And by pretty cool, I mean mean it's basically Star Wars, right? I mean, you have your kind of Jedi characters, but they're espers. You have your stormtroopers in the Empire. It has its own anime flourishes and whatnot, but it's clear that it's really influenced by the space operas at the time with lots of nice little fantasy in there as well.
2: Yeah, it's like it's like what if Emperor was instead King Lassik, who's kind of like just a big knight, weird knight person, and what if Medusa's here? And there's just, you know, kind of random fantasy sprinkled throughout Star Wars. <laughs> Anime Star Wars, yes. But it is also a weird, as I said, cast of aliens, kind of. Like the the, the denizens of the different planets who are kind of weird and quirky. And as you walk around the towns talking to people, it's a little fun, if slow and clunky.
0: (laughs) There are three planets that you can actually travel to. There's Palma, which is kind of a a lush grasslands. There's Motavia, the desert. And there's Desaurus, which is the icy and barren. And what's really impressive is just how large these particular worlds are. It really does give you the sense that you are exploring an expansive solar system which was not a thing that we really had on console at that time certainly not on 8-bit platforms
2: yeah and and as i I alluded to earlier the field maps are interesting and a little labyrinthine at times but you do get these different implements that you ride around in to help you kind of uh traverse the field maps
0: and this is one of the first true jrpg epics as well because it does actually link across uh four separate games it's almost like a uh, what was it a tetralogy right and again this this game having
2: you know the mixture of like the top down fields the top down uh towns you know where you walk around and you go to places and amass different party members who have different abilities and little backstories and you know it's going go these first person dungeons and have exciting animated combat all the, you know putting all that into one package was you know, pretty difficult and, and you know, they could have not done two of those things and still would have been a cool game at the time.
1: I think they originally wanted a fourth planet, but uh, it, that would probably be uh, a bridge too far. I do like how the entire fantasy star epic, other than maybe fantasy star online, takes place in the Algol star system, which is a real place. It's a real star system. It's in the Andromeda galaxy. I just like that. It's a real, it's maybe a generous to call it a real world location, but it is. It's, the, it's a place that we could recognize as human beings i thought that was interesting versus you know so many rpgs at the time are giving us fantasy lands full of dragons and monsters and not a place that you could point to technically on a map and say okay that's that's where we are
0: there are four playable characters in fantasy star there's alice our hero Niao, odin and noah meow my favorite Is it Noah or is it
1: Lutz? I might have screwed that up. (laughs) It's it's Noah in in, English. It's Noah
2: in America and Lutz Lutz in Japan. Okay,
1: because I I got a little confused there. Uh, When I was researching this, I actually found out that it was actually intended to be a uh, kind of a dynamic that you get with Caramon and Raiceland from Dragonlance. It's supposed to be kind of the same thing with Lutz and uh, Odin. And you look at it, it's like, oh, yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. You got the... Muscle bound meathead, and you got the uh.
2: Bashoanin, like. Yeah, the Bashoanin
1: uh, wizard who's all, you know, kind of a little bit snarky and stuff. I thought yeah, that was kind of neat.
2: Well, and you know, they were kind of like the big bulking warrior and the magician. But then Meow was a really interesting, weird choice. Remember at the time you're like, oh, this cat, this cat is one of your four party members, and you know, it's an integral party member who does lots of things. And it's also really good in combat, and it's your first, your you know, the first member who joins you. So. Um, it's kind of this interesting relationship. And then, like, to kind of take that dynamic and repeat it with Rolf and Ney in Fast Star 2 is really interesting. Mm-hmm, as well. mm-hmm. yeah.
0: yeah. Alice and Yao make me think of characters very, they're very 80s yes. anime sci fi. Oh, Maybe
2: completely. almost from
0: like Dirty Pear or something. Whereas Noah well, makes me think of a character from like a clamp manga, like well, Magic it's, Knight Rider. It's weird.
2: it's weird to me because it's like, 80s anime meets like you know labyrinth or return to oz or something too mm, yes. <laughs> you know? yeah it's it's a neat dynamic and just the fact that it's yeah, a female protagonist and this weird cat are the first two members of this ragtag crew at the time i remember like this is this is interesting you know i'm, I'm hooked
0: and what i love is that they your party members actually follow you around on the map it looks mm. really good
2: right and then again i think remember i played dragon warrior 2 was thinking you know, like it didn't look as good when when you had a party. I was like, no, you know, the, the, the sprites yeah. were
1: kind of squat by comparison. They're hard to identify, and you don't really have an animal companion the way you do in Fantasy Star. I always loved animal companions, and they were very rare to have in the eight bit era of
0: RPGs. So that was one up on Fantasy Star right there. And let's be real, Fantasy Star, like Pokemon, still doesn't really do the whole party member following you around thing. To so to have this cute. Fairly well animated, meow sprite following you around feels like a revelation by comparison. That's mm-hmm. yeah. It's
2: one of the things I point to, like the little touches in this game, such as yeah, the character is following you around and in combat, you know, the animated parts, the animated aspects of many of the creatures and like the sometimes it's multiple frames of animation and yeah. the background and the backgrounds. Cause like the lion share of NES RPGs did not have character animation and backgrounds.
1: No, one thing I remember about. being really impressed with was like I didn't really get into or even expose myself to Fantasy Star until much later when it started coming out in collections and there was emulation and all that gasp. But I do remember seeing like uh shows like the Game Pro TV show or Video and Arcade Top Ten Canadian shout out where they would have the they would have footage of Fantasy Star for whatever reason for tips and tricks and it just looks so cool. Like you'd be moving in a dungeon and a dragon would pop out at you and the dragon would be animated and that kind of thing was just like not on the Nintendo and it's just like, whoa, I wanna play this. But I didn't for many, many years.
0: And finally, Fantasy Star is famous for its first person scrolling dungeons, which were not in the later games. They were implemented because the Famicom wasn't capable of the effect and it helped the game stand out. Them. Yuji Naka programmed these dungeons by creating the wireframes, then superimposing art on them. This allowed the dungeons to render, using as little cartridge space as possible. Still, Fantasy Star was 4 megs, which is pretty hefty. Its closest competition in Japan was Final Fantasy, which came out in 1987, and that was 144 kilobytes. So, quite the difference, you gotta say. These
2: dungeons were mind-blowing at the time yeah and like you know i realized as i was playing through I was like oh it's really just like the same one different colors occasionally there's a slightly different element on the wall but like just that animation of you turning a corner was like among the greatest home console graphics you'd ever seen in your entire life
1: no absolutely even the <laughs> the famicom slash nes like it could kind of do that perspective but it was very like Goonies, for example, Goonies 2, but it was very chunky, you know what I mean? Like the movement was frame by frame. Where this is ex- this was extremely smooth to the point that they actually had to slow it down so that it could render properly because it was it was way too smooth. As smooth as sharks. Sharks are smooth as hell.
0: <laughs> did Shadowgate have kind of that perspective? Yeah. That's what I was thinking of when but, I the, saw but, Fantasy
2: Star. But like it doesn't animate, it doesn't have all these frames of animation. Exactly.
0: Like this. Mm. I, mean,
2: I remember like playing Shining in the Darkness um on on Mega Drive later doesn't really you know it, it look it, there's more detail and difference in the backgrounds but it doesn't really look as good as this in some ways
1: no absolutely this was really incredible for the time it's still a pretty impressive uh, uh effect even though god knows it's so much more fun to look at if you have an auto map on
2: yeah if you just wa- like I, I was just looking at animated gif of it and it's completely like intoxicating just to watch it, it. it's like oh man it's the
1: windows <laughs> the green saver Yep. <laughs>
0: The battle system itself isn't very complicated. Most of the time you're pretty much hitting A, you're getting, uh, you're grinding up enough money so that you can buy new and improved weapons. You do have weapons like the needle gun that can shoot multiple times, that kind of thing. You'll have multiple enemies stacked on top of one another. There is definitely strategy when you're fighting bosses, but most of the time you're just going, getting through this fight so that I can level up, so I can get enough money. You know, it's very 1980s RPG in that respect. And
1: you're asking yourself, why is the owlbear a floating eyeball?
2: (laughs) Yeah, the combat is probably the weakest suit of the entire game but then again at the time the bar was low yeah right? most of again I, this is before dragon warrior before final fantasy and you know, the limitation of only being able to show one sprite and then like kind of symbolize it by having oh here's a list of four owlbears you have to fight uh yeah i think the combat is overall tuned a little too hard like this is a mm-hmm. game where you have to grind you also have to pay attention because some enemies do a lot of damage only a, i believe only two of the characters can heal maybe um and you know, there's some abilities that are character specific that are useful, but all in all, it's 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 simple and tough. Uh, so yeah, the combat combat not the
0: best part of this game. You can feel the evolutionary divergence from Western RPGs because there's a very strong PC RPG vibe, there especially. With the actual dungeons, with the characters and everything, yes, it's in anime form, but you can real fe- really feel the wizardry in this game.
1: You absolutely can. This was actually, I would argue to say, this was the game that brought wizardry to consoles for like real. Like this was Dragon Quest aspired to do that. I think Fantasy Star actually
0: did that. I always think of Dragon Quest as more Ultima. I mean, there were some oh, wizardry aspects of it, right? Um, and in fact, I read an old EGM review of Dragon Quest II where they were like, "just just cut rate Ultima." <laughs> what the hell? Just I'll play cut the rate real your thing. Face. Uh, I was fidelity.
2: just looking. I was looking to make sure that Dungeon Master from FTL had not come out before this, and it had not. It actually came out a year after this game because Dungeon Dungeon Master, you know, kind of does this a little better on PC, but uh, it was afterwards.
1: So. Yeah, exactly. For
0: consoles, it was very impressive. Well, let's talk about Sega. Which of course was the developer of Fantasy Star, and Fantasy Star at the time was very kind of out of character for Sega because it was an arcade developer best known for well making shoot 'em ups, action games, that kind of thing. So to come out and put out a game like Fantasy Star was a, a surprise, wouldn't you say?
2: Yeah, you know, before this they had dabbled in rpg ish games um they didn't develop them i think miracle warriors was developed by an external company and it's you know I mean, it's it okay
0: the, this game was made by the people did alex kid right yeah. yeah yeah a lot of and, the
1: team went over
2: and i think you know sega had also published a, ver- a version of ultima 4 for racism which, which is crazy um but yeah there was this was by far n- the largest scope of anything they'd ever done is it's that's why it was kind of astonishing to learn it was you know by people who just been working on on other like arcade games previous to this or alex Kidd you know it's it's wild i mean
0: 1980 was the year that altered beast came out and outrun came out in 1986 space harrier that these kinds of games hang on those were the kind of games that you most associated with sega yeah
2: yeah, and and, th- and they were kind of kings of the arcade at a time. Like I did love all those games. And they were kind of, you know, known for really, you know, good graphics and fun kind of arcade style games. But yeah, th- this this kind of changed the game of what I would expect from them moving forward,
0: but at this time, Nintendo, at least in the console space, was dominant. And, I mean, we were joking about how, Sega was kind of in the cover, kind of in the corner of a Montgomery Ward or a Sears. That's because Nintendo might notice and get yeah. mad.
1: <laughs> and Master System very much. I don't think it had to hide as much in Canada. Uh, I certainly did not grow up with the Master System, but I did know people with it. And I do know that Nintendo's main focus, because who, who cares about Canada, it was kind of stifling competition in North America. And they were very, very draconian about it. And people now say, oh, Nintendo's so greedy. Nintendo of my childhood is dead. You don't know the Nintendo of our childhood.
0: (laughs) Children.
2: (laughs) I did just remember another place where Sega Master System was a big deal, and that's England. It, it was more yes. pop. It mm. was more popular than the NES over there. And I actually experienced because my first trip ever over to London was like, I don't know, like you know, nineteen, eighteen, nineteen years ago, a long time ago. And it was long enough to to be able to go to a shop and buy weird British Master System games. And it was weird to walk into it like. A retro game store and it'd be like mostly Master System, a little, a little a little tiny section of NES. Yeah? So i was like it's like an alternate reality yeah,
1: yeah my brother around that time he visited some cousins of mine in ireland and they had the master system and the atari 2600 and i'm just like what kind of screwed up country is ireland if they don't have nintendo they have the master system running around that's so you're, weird
2: you're lucky you didn't weren't first played amstrad or yes <laughs> zx spectrum baby so maybe Fantasy Star had had, you know, sold more copies in like yeah England and Brazil than other territories.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Fantasy Star is most associated with Reiko Kodama, who is one of the main artists on the series, not the only one, but one of them. Though, whenever you bring her up, whenever you bring that up to her, she gets very humble and will say, "No, no, it was a big team. I was just one person. Uh, please give credit to the team." So, oh, that's nice. But she is known as the first lady of RPGs, of course, because there just aren't that many women in game dev, either in Japan or North America. She was hired by Sega in 1984 and contributed art and sprites to games like Flicky, Alex Kidd, and Miracle World, Fantasy Zone 2. There were actually quite a few women who worked on Fantasy Star, which was a, you know, fairly unusual at the time. Um, when she looked back on Fantasy Star she was kind of embarrassed about her artwork because she was like, well, I did do this 30 years ago. I was like, <laughs> you know. That's understandable. Yeah.
2: I wonder if it is, you know, the part of what's so special about this game is that it did have kind of, you know, part of a woman's perspective uh, behind creative. Oh, absolutely. Creative, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: I do know that this is something I'll get into later, I think, because I put it down as one of the best uh, things about the game. Uh, speaking as a woman who played games at that time, I was actually still quite into the whole thing. Just if I had seen Alice and like, that artwork of her and just the idea of a one being a a hero in a video game i probably it probably would have blown my mind it probably would have like latched on to fantasy star real quickly
2: yeah i think she's like all all that original artwork the kodama piece and the art from the american box the japanese box the back of the japanese box That beautiful piece like she's a really interesting character because she's not a princess who's a damsel in distress she's clearly like the main character of this Mm -hmm. game and she's her image is the title screen images up front and everything you know she's she's front and center like at a time when you might have chosen the cool looking wizard or the knight to make the main character in america exactly you know? yeah. yeah no
1: it was uh, it was pretty obvious who was the main character it was up front and center and not to mention like i know it was 30 years ago and everyone gets embarrassed by their old stuff there's a real charm to 80s anime that just cannot be understated
0: and it's all over this game so i'm glad that it is the way it is that horrible conventional wisdom that persisted I mean, honestly, into the 2010s, that people won't buy video games with women on the cover. So it's refreshing to have a woman front and center in a game that came out in 1988. Wow. Yeah, for the time it was extremely unusual. So apparently Reiko Kodama was a Star Wars fan, and she said that she enjoyed the way that Star Wars took elements from Japanese and Asian culture and infused it with a science fiction setting, because, of course, Star Wars borrowed heavily from Kurosawa. Following this notion, she gave the science fiction world of Fantasy Star a Western folklore feel and the character's medieval clothing. And one of the things that she talked about was how game development at that time was quite a bit different in a lot of ways. It was a smaller team, very collaborative, and so even though Kodama was mainly the artist, I think she wore many different hats, as did Yuji Naka and other people on the team.
1: Yeah, I get the impression from researching the game that this was a team that kind of considered itself without a leader at the time and everyone just did what they wanted to. And for once, it actually worked out really well because usually that kind of atmosphere doesn't combine well with, uh, let's face it, airheaded creatives like ourselves.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think in that area, you know, you worked closely with a smaller team and kind of the planner, the person who's kind of directing, you know, which was her is not going to, you know, it's very Japanese to not take full responsibility, especially for a woman at that time. But, you know, I, I think, you know, she sells herself a little short on this. And, you know, as, as talented as a programmer, Yuji Naka obviously was like, I think, yeah, she, she was, you know, integral to this and she wasn't as closely involved in, you know, in two at all. Um, and it's a spectacular game, but it definitely is a little bit of that doesn't have that lightness. It doesn't have that same whimsy that this game has.
0: Yeah, I agree. Rego Kodama is still at Sega, the last I checked. Uh, She's still a producer. She's worked on so many games over the years. And actually, we talked about her work in another Pantheon episode, the first one, which was Skies of Arcadia. She recently received a Lifetime Achievement Award from Game Developers Conference and, as usual, was customarily very humble about receiving it. That's nice. And, of course, we were talking about Yuji Naka and Naka, of course, hasn't had a great time of it. Uh, he had a bad time with Balan Wonderworld and is actually considering retirement after leaving Square Enix.
2: That's not RPG enough for you guys done an episode is there on the Balan Wonderworld. Balan no, Wonderworld. I, no. No.
0: I
1: gobble up any sort of thing anyone can feed me about Wonderworld. Such a. am actually reading a novel associated with that game. And I'm saying to myself... This is a perfectly competent story. Why is it not in the game? Which makes no sense whatsoever without the context. And it's funny because I read that Yuji Naka is he, when he went to Square Enix, he didn't really want to do RPGs. He wanted to do something you know more akin to what we th- what we know of as his platforming roots. And I just found it so funny that he would be so almost against going back to his going back to RPGs when that that technically was his roots with uh, with Fantasy Star. But he. Um, didn't really fit in with Square Enix at the end of it all, I suppose. It's a little bit of a shame because he's extremely talented and he's been, like, unspeakably, like, he's contributed so many unspeakably important things to to games and he uh, just kind of fizzled
2: out there. It's really, It's really sad. I think his uh, latter day un- unappreciated uh, guitar was "Let's Tap" for the Wii. <laughs> I
1: don't think I even <laughs> not, played that. I just. Remember... I'm not kidding.
2: It's it's pretty fun. It's a bunch of yeah,
1: like I'm sure he released some fun stuff that went <laughs> under the radar because he had so many high profile disasters. Like what was it? Rohan Sky Soldier. Rohan Sky Soldier. Oh,
2: Rodea the Sky Soldier, which had like two different versions. And this... oh, that was weird. Yeah, that's yeah. so
1: confusing to me. I, I don't. But like one was okay. The other one was terrible. And it's just well, and nothing the, really worked out. The weird
2: one was you got both the Wii and the Wii U ones, and the Wii one was the good one. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
1: U one was supposedly a disaster. Was
2: there That's... also a 3DS one? Maybe there was, anyway.
1: Maybe there was. I, I don't know. All I know is that franchise did not take off the way it was supposed to, and then Wonder Wonderworld was not much better.
0: You know, this might seem a little mean, but when I think of particularly Sega, I think a lot of their developers, especially at that time, like Yu Suzuki and Yuji Naka, like all the respect in the world, they were real pioneers, but they were also on the bleeding edge of tech. In so many ways, and maybe as games marched on, they weren't quite able to keep up in terms of the technical perspective. I mean, just look at Shenmue Three, for example. I mean, the
2: shift to 3D was tough, and it took you know both of them eventually did catch up to it. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think I think every major decade, it's almost like if you're still in it, you kind of have to reassess and figure out: am Can you still be relevant when things change a lot?
0: And Naka, he was basically a rock star in video games in the early 90s. He was the guy who was working on Sonic the Hedgehog uh, to the point that uh, Sega of America brought him over and his team... So that he could make Sonic Two for them. Yeah. So people forget he,
2: people forget like things like Sonic Two and Mortal Kombat were like the, the beginning of release dates for games. Like Sonic Tuesday, like yeah, having Sonic a Tuesday. release date. Like promoting, like, hey, are we gonna actually tell you when this game is coming out? That that was new.
1: That's right. Like when I was younger, you would you would call the store and say, Hey, do you have Mega Man X two? And yet, like, nope. And you just call up another store, you call another store. But yeah, back then, you're right. I was thinking about it, the commercials like for what was it, Mortal Monday?
2: yeah mortal monday mortal and monday, sonic tuesday sonic are, yeah <laughs> were, that was like 92 93 yeah like it was the era of like oh yeah you know, these yeah sonic 1 sonic 2 sonic 3 those were colossal hits you know they're probably mm-hmm. the biggest sega home games that ever had at the time
1: i didn't realize how much friction there was between sega of america and sega of japan like they just seemed like the cool awesome sega like uh identity on the surface but below the surface it was actually really
0: rough Sonic Team's kind of last hurrah was the Dreamcast. I feel like they, they were putting out some like pretty solid games and then after that kind of fell off a cliff, sadly, yeah and finally, we have composer tokuhiko Uabo, who did the music Ike, for
2: ipo or, is it, or what, what was, did he did did he have like a little nickname back then? I think he did maybe he was. Anyway. Almost
0: certainly. Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah I know back, that. Back, back back in the days the credits for a game would just be a bunch of weird nicknames like, I remember yeah, names. like you could
0: ComSLOF U two or something.
2: Yeah. 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 I thought that was funny.
0: I really enjoy Fantasy Star's music, like by from an eight bit perspective, especially when you go into the dungeon. That dungeon music yeah, is I love that really solid. Either.
2: It's it's definitely a memorable soundtrack. Um and made good use of the very limited sound hardware of the Sega Master System, because I- I'll defend SMS sound. Like, I, you know, I-, I like a lot of soundtracks for lots of games, but it is not a popular opinion. Most people, most people think that, like, you know, the SMS sound is inherently bad. Are um, you, uh, Nothing can be done with, done of it, done with it, but uh, I think within those limitations, this game does a good job.
1: Are you pro uh, FM synthesizer or anti FM so,
2: it's interesting because, you know, most of us had never heard that music. as Because to explain what mm-hmm. Nadia is saying, uh, in Japan, there the, there was an upgraded version of the Master System that had an FM sound chip in it. So, games there often have, like, completely, you know, reworked different sounding soundtracks. So, that was something I looked forward to for many, many years. And when I finally got to play it... Uh, I did like it and it's much better and just earlier today to prepare for this podcast i had pulled out my fantasy star first series complete album cd set which is a spectacular four cd set and listened to the entirety of the disc one which is the entire soundtrack to this game first in the sms version then all in the fm version then a bunch of arranged tracks and it'd been a while it'd been like a year since i listened to this and but when we started the fm version i was like I thought these were the arranged tracks. It is, it's night and day. Yes, it, it, it's it's absurd. And the the dungeon music, the beginning of the dungeon music for the FM and synth version is completely wild. It's like someone turned up like this weird modular synth like real fast. It's like <laughs> what? <"Whoop!" laughs> yeah, it's it's amazing.
1: <laughs> I just scared my cat
2: doing that. <laughs> no, if you yeah, if you haven't listened to the full FM sound track to this game, it is a banger. <laughs>
0: Fantasy Star, when it came out, got a lot of accolades from Eastern and Western critics. The November 1990 issue of Computer Gaming World wrote, Not since Dungeon Master has such a good and explicit graphic combat system been seen. That said, it it was a bit hard to find because it was a very expensive 4 meg cart. And honestly, it could have been bigger because Yuji Naka was able to compress a lot of that into, it just came under the wire. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We were some decades away from being able to fit three terabytes on chips smaller than our pinky fingernails. Thank you for writing that, Nadia. <laughs> it's Critics true. still hold Fantasy Star in high regard for its revolutionary graphics and dungeons. The M2 redesign went over very well. Currently has an 82 on Metacritic. And it's been included in many, many collections over the years. It was actually remade. For the playstation 2 in 2003 and the 2003 remake did not look very good it was actually i would say looked much worse than the sega master system game
2: oh yeah i have all of those sega ages uh, ones and that is the one weird bad strange one because the the other was the other Five star games um the remake of two and then like the, the collection disc which just has kind of like you know, enhanced uh, quality of life upgrades to the original games are good. But that one, it's almost like it went through like a weird rendered Donkey Kong country filter. It's not yes. good. It's no. not, not good. <laughs>
1: not pleasant to look at.
2: But it's so weird that it's kind of like, I'm glad it exists as like the the, the weird bastard of Fantasy Star.
0: <laughs> Alice's weird bastard. I think that the PS2 version was one of those games that kind of looked okay in screenshots but when you actually saw it in motion it was so all over the place in terms of the actual aesthetic you started to wonder what the heck was going on
2: well, weirdly yeah. the like the first seven or eight of those Sega ages games are all real hard. and i think they, i think they were like farmed out to strange developers and mm. i think they quickly realized we need to fix these <laughs> yeah yeah
1: the lowest bitters
2: this episode is brought to you by reese's
1: peanut butter cups in breaking news Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you.
2: If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA.
0: And of course, the Sega Ages version makes a lot of quality of life enhancements, in to, uh, completely retunes the the encounter rate, gives you an actual auto map, and frankly makes Fantasy Star playable in the year of our Lord 2021. Before the Sega Ages release, I would say that it was quite difficult to recommend to every to like basically anyone. These days, you can say, "Look, just play the Sega Ages version; it's great, and you're going to have a good time." But also have a guide because it's going to be pretty tough to actually get into.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously the version with the map is like the greatest idea of all time. But I think you did miss two other versions. There was, in addition to the Mega Drive version in Japan, it also came out on the Fantasy Star Collection in Japan mm-hmm. for Sega Saturn, which is, uh, which is a great collection. And then it also uh, was on the weird THQ published Fantasy Star Collection for Game Boy Advance. Did you mention? You didn't mention oh that
1: no, we didn't mention that. I thought I I, I saw that in, in passing. I forgot That's about that.
2: That's a weird collection in general. I think it's by Other Ocean and like there it's reprogrammed everything's different and like you know, re, you know to fit the game boy screen um it's different
1: yeah uh do you have it like what did it ever like release in north america
2: yeah it came out in north america ah. i think it only came out in north america <laughs> oh I, I i own it and i remember fantasy star being less adulterated and compromised than fantasy star 2 and 3 but, oh um, oh yeah. yeah yeah it'd be weird to return to it it looks i remember it looking kind of weird
0: All right, it's time to go through the 5 best moments of Fantasy Star. And of course, we begin with the opening moments, which one of the cool things about Fantasy Star 1 are those manga-like cutscenes where you have the lavish hand-drawn images of the various characters talking. It's so much better than your just average text box and really gives so much texture and flavor to the actual game.
1: Yeah, um, like I, totally I was agree. just to kind of elaborate on what I was saying earlier. We were talking about how maybe this game hit a little differently because it was done by uh, a team that included a lot of women. Yeah, for me, seeing that, e- even playing it years and years later, seeing that image of Alice on the front, and she looks like a normal heroine, not like you know, kind of dressed weird or anything like that, and. You start the game, and yeah, there's this really cool anime cutscene during a time when Western games are still a little bit in denial about, West, about anime existing, and then it plays out, and you are a woman standing there with a sword, and you are ready to go on your adventure. I still think that's so cool. Just, it makes a big difference. It would have made a huge difference to me if I had played the game as uh, like an eight-year-old
0: or a nine-year-old. I think the only problem I have with the opening moment is that it's so Hard to kind of figure out what you're supposed to do. It it's is. really disorienting because you see these stormtroopers standing around, and you're like, i want to go over here." Don't leave. Okay, sorry. <laughs> okay, <laughs> sorry, I'll leave sir. the village. <laughs> you die. You know.
2: You, you need to get your uh, your pass, your 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 passport, or whatever. Yeah, yeah,
1: it was definitely from the age of when video game RPGs were really more about wandering around and, and talking to people to see what the hell you were supposed to do. And I have to say getting your passport and going off planet for the first time is pretty amazing for an
0: RPG. Yeah, once you get to that point when the first time you get in the actual spaceship and fly off planet you're like, "Whoa, this is amazing." Yeah, it's so cool.
2: Well, and you think about the the planets are very Star Warsy. It's like you're kind of going to Hoth, Hoth. and you're kind of going you kind of go like Tatooine. <laughs> Tatooine. <laughs> yeah.
0: And I don't know who Endor, um... right? I mean, Kama okay, yeah, would I'd be Endor, or, be, yeah. No, the first one would be Nabu. Well, and <laughs> the little
2: Motavians are kind of look like um uh Jawas or something. Right? Or they Sad look
0: like people, Ewoks to like, me. Or Ewoks, like Ewoks. Yeah. yeah. No, but there's definitely a jawa like character yeah. in this game. Yeah, you like talk to a Jawa for sure. <laughs> Best moment number two. Finding the dungeon cake shop in the Naula Sp- Cave dungeon. There's a cake shop you must visit in order to finish a quest. It's like in the bottom of the basement the bottom of the dungeon and they actually say yeah sorry i know it's kind of a weird spot to have a cake shop anyway hello
2: it's one of of the most complicated dungeons too it's definitely uh yeah like wild and this mention of of hard dungeons and maps reminds me of a story that i went to it's not even my story but it's so good friend of the show christian nutt good friend from old retronauts days he loves this game too and he tells the story that he Called like called the Sega tip line, you know, for help because he was like stuck in some dungeon and he kept calling them and eventually they sent him the Sega of America like sent him in the mail like photocopied maps of the dungeons. Wow. Like all Amazing. of them? I mean,
0: yes. That's incredible. That's one <laughs> yeah. above what Nintendo would do in the day.
2: It's spectacular.
0: But yes, it's this done. cake. <laughs> Shane, how did you navigate those freaking dungeons yeah, without like question. the auto-mapping? Uh,
2: graph paper and a friend. Like I would sit, we'd like be you know a friend, a friend or two would come over and we'd stay up all night playing Fantasy Star. And uh, I remember that one being really tough, and like the Cake one being like, like it took a while. It's like several floors. Um, yeah, it's it's rough. And then like I later in life. We really respected that when I was. I learned that oh, in like the second sub basement underneath the train station in Shibuya, there'll be like an amazing cake shop and like a pâtisserie. and like like as you're like wandering through you know this labyrinthine place to find an amazing cake shop. So, that
1: sounds that sounds extremely uh, Japanese as well as just city life in general. Like I think Toronto's bus station has an Uncle Tetsu
2: under it, which is incredible cheesecakes. Yeah, and like as someone who enjoys questing for a delicious cake, that's something I'll do to this day. And like whenever I go do it which is pretty often all like, you know, I don't feel if I walk like two miles to buy a cake, you feel like, well, I've earned this cake. <laughs> so I, I, I often think of, I often think of fantasy star with that. And then like, you know, 20 years later, well, in 2000, they would bring this back in Fantasy star online. There'd be a nod to the cake. That's amazing. So, yeah.
0: Number three, meeting meow. Niao is a cat and meow is my favorite character in the game. Very anime mascot, but mm-hmm. not annoying. Xenoblade Chronicles, take note. This is how you make a character <laughs> who is not annoying. As long as they don't speak like the Nopon, they're good. Well, and I just like that you could put equipment
2: on Meow. Yeah, and like, he has things.: Yeah, meow, meow has his way of, 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 of busting shit up, you know. He has the... a personality. It, yeah.
1: yeah, if you look at the box art, the American box art for Fantasy Star, I think you see Neow on the on the front. First of all, he looks kind of freaky. Second of all, you can see he's holding like some sort of weapon in his mouth. So there you go. That's pretty cool.
0: And they're like, I have a container, but I don't know what I actually need to do with this. Actually, but then you can uh, get Odin, who's the meathead. Onto your team looks like uh, an expat from what He-Man or something like that. Yeah, he's, he's it's the Caravan character. Crew, I
2: got to say, I think he's you know a He-Man via Schwarzenegger.
0: Yes, because and, and at that point you had been you had been adventuring on your own to that point, and it was a little bit rough. It's a little bit rough when you're on your own. Of course, when you start to get more party members, um, the number of monsters in a given encounter increases, but also. As some number of monsters increase, you get more money. So it's a win-win. Well yeah. finding
2: finding Odin's cool because he's a statue and you have to like, you know, he's been he's been turned to stone by Medusa, you have to bring him back to life. So it's kinda of, it's an interesting way to introduce it. It is
0: cool when you just find him in the dungeon and you're like, Oh, okay, I don't know who this guy is. And then you end up leaving, and it's only somewhat later that you need to remember how to go oh, back yeah. to him mm-hmm. and then be able to do it. Though I imagine that must have been really annoying to try and remember where the heck he is without <laughs>
1: Hopefully Without you made. Auto a,
0: map.
2: Hopefully you made a map. Yeah.
1: Yeah. When I was a kid, uh, I would use my old math books, the graph paper, and the and uh, just use make maps that way.
0: Number four, getting the vehicles. Um, everybody loves to give Final Fantasy IV credit for having all of the awesome vehicles, but I think Fantasy Star beat Fantasy Final Fantasy IV to the punch by a few years. It had uh, what was it, Land Rover. You could mm-hmm. knock stuff down.
2: Right, and then uh, on Desolus, you get this cool drill, sh- drill thing to drill through
0: the ice walls. <laughs> and finally, Shane, you gave me this one, beating Dark Falls, oh, man. number well, five. Like, and you, you, know, you, like this was a moment for you.
2: It was because as I mentioned, I'd rented the game and hadn't gotten to the end. Uh, I think I got to Medusa or something when I was renting it. So I finally owned it and could play all the way through it. Um, you know, up at the end, you finally get to Elastic's castle in the sky, which involves. Feeding the nut to Meow and Meow transforming into this giant oh, winged version of Meow. Yes, cow. that is you, the best part. That the rest of the party then rides on the back of up castle in the sky. So that's already exciting, right? You've been building up this something the whole time to go fight, Bro Lassic, and he's pretty tough, right? You, you know, like your Alice is casting thunder. You know, hopefully you brought enough post- hamburgers. Um, <laughs> he's tough. L- Lassic's pretty tough, and I beat him. Like you know, it took like, two tries to beat Lassic. Then, wait a minute. Last not the last boss. Here's the real last boss. This horrific Geiger inspired monstrosity that's such a big sprite that they has no background. Like, it's like the first, yeah. the only the only battle in the entire game with no background. Dark Balls, F A L Z, which uh, 20, 30 years later, I learned, well, he's actually Dark Phallus. Really? <laughs> yeah,
1: I was blah, blah, blah. thinking Dark
2: Force. Dark Phallus.
1: Okay, what do they call him in? I know Dark that...
2: Force. He gets localized as Dark Force in Fantasy Star Two, Three, and Four. But is, his is, the is original that art
1: a, a metaphor for what he does to
2: universes? Or I don't. Understand. I think so. Also, Geiger again. I don't. I don't know. Uh, like Geiger, will do it to you. But he's incredibly hard. Like I remember, I got to the and he just killed my entire party in one hit. I was like, this I is f- insane. I had to level up. I had to, and like you know, you're at the end of the game. So like. Not only do you have to go like level up again, go to this dungeon, go fight last like it, it took me weeks, weeks, wow, weeks of grinding after school. And I remember finally, I would get up early before school to try to beat him. And one morning before school, I beat Dark Falls Woo! and was the happiest Woo! person of all time.
1: That must have been your best day of school ever because you got it to th- so... think about the ending instead of actually working oh, on stuff. That's what I so... would do
2: yeah, so I, I totally remember like being really proud because I love this game. And, uh, yeah, Dark Falls is pretty hard.
0: Can I just say that I really prefer Fantasy Star's battle screen to even Fantasy Star two? Yeah, because while it's cool to have the characters coming in and actually doing their attacks and everything, I think I prefer just having the straight up first person view. <laughs> So that you can see the monster filling the whole screen, and it's not—you're not distracting from it. Cat, I have
2: the perfect solution for you. Have you heard of a game called Fantasy Star Four, which has the greatest <laughs> battle system in mm-hmm. any Fantasy Star, which combines the best elements of Fantasy Star
0: One, Fantasy Star Two, and macros? It is A plus Prime. Yeah, well, I mean, we put Fantasy Star Four in our top twenty-five RPGs of all time.
2: That's so. true. I think I talked about it, and, and... Uh, yeah.
0: I think dark falls and the, uh, the dragon that you fight yes. and are so gorgeous on the second master system. So detailed, so huge. They just blow the uh, enemies in final fantasy and dragon quest and equivalent RPGs. I mean, if you look at, you know, final fantasy, uh, was it final fantasy three? And you look like a dark cloud. That's a really good sprite. Yeah. Not don't get me wrong but i think that uh i think fantasy star one probably has a beat
2: some of these are spectacular and i still remember like the first time i rented it and the first time i ever played it the first enemy that blew my mind was the fish man on the beach anyway the, the beach yes. looks good and then like his tongue like whips out i was like oh my god i can't believe they can animate a tongue like that <laughs> unbelievable also you talking about the combat system it's like fantasy star three generations of doom for all of its problems And I don't love its battle system, but it does attempt to like combine a lot of elements of this one with some of the elements of two, with background, you know, having backgrounds but having animation, having multiple characters on screen, but it doesn't completely work. But it is really fast. I'll give Mm -hmm. give yeah,
0: yeah. They had a lot of interesting tricks that they were almost um, kind of visual tricks, or they they made it look. Or an optical illusion, they were making it seem like you know the water was moving or something, but they would just be manipulating uh, sprites and that kind of th- or, right. Yeah, uh, pixels the, se- and that the kind secret
2: of Fancy Star One's battles is like only small parts of the level, level action of the you know enemy and the background are animated, and like the enemies are drawn as part of the background. Yeah, as like, well. So you yeah.
1: even but even the difference, like say the dragon, like moving its tail or breathing fire, like that sort of thing,
2: just made a huge difference,
1: even though it was small movements.
0: And even though Fantasy Star's story is, you know, quite slim by most measures, it does fighting these enemies, these huge, huge enemies, does make it it does raise the stakes. I think it does.
2: And the variety, I, I think, like a lot of the enemies are just kind of monstrous, manual, but some of them are creative and weird, and you know, from the three, you know, the three planets feel distinct.
0: Okay, it's time to discuss whether or not Fantasy Star deserves to be in the Pantheon, the case for and against it. And as always, we try and look at three separate criteria. Number one, is it historic? Is it important? Number two, does it hold up? And number three, does it have that mark of greatness? And of course we ask the community as well, they get to weigh in, but we um, get to choose right now. And Shane, I'm curious, what are your thoughts on those three topics what are your thoughts on it being in the pantheon
2: i would say that it is definitely was a trailblazing groundbreaking jrpg uh and that it also holds up thanks to some of the modern innovations that have been made like the the recent Sega ages re-released i think you know any any rpg of this era is tough to you know there's things like encounter rate and you know just difficulty that make it that still make it tough um but I think it's it was so innovative and groundbreaking that when it came out and everything that it did, and the artistry that it does it with in terms of the the the, the art, the you know the animation, the design, the music, the storytelling. Yes, I I would argue this does have a space in the Acts of the Blood God
0: pantheon. Last month we were talking about SMT3 Nocturne, and. I think that in similar ways to Fantasy Star it was really formative for that series and also to JRPGs in its own way. But when I thought about SMT3 Nocturne my first thought was, well this game hasn't been surpassed, right? And whereas when I look at Fantasy Star I go, well I think Fantasy Star 4 has surpassed Fantasy Star, right? Like that if I had to choose a representative that I would look toward that maybe instead of the original Fantasy Star.
2: I mean, I'm with you there. I think four is such a perfect culmination of everything that had come before it that it is almost, you know... Uh, if, you, if you have that, it does kind of include everything. But again, I think one, 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 two, and four are all unique enough and distinct enough to to have a spot, at least in my heart.
0: Like what makes them distinct in your mind?
2: I think the... In, the technological innovations of this game are astonishing. Because as good as Final Star 4 is, it's not doing anything you hadn't really seen other games do. It's just doing them very well. You know, it's com- combining, it's, you know, it's kind of running out all cylinders. But, like, at the time, this was mind-blowing. Again, this, again, came out before, in America, before Dragon War, before Final Fantasy. So I think in that context, um, as just, like, an innovator, it, it, it has special recognition that PS4 does not have.
1: It is such a technological marvel of its time, and it's really a who's who of developers, artists, and game designers, and giving them their voice before they really had their breakout hits. It has a great premise, a really fresh feeling uh, atmosphere, even today. Like I said, getting into that spaceship, even now, and taking off to a new planet, I think that's a really interesting, really cool feeling for a retro RPG to have, and Putting it above what came afterwards, that's a little more difficult because 2, there's a lot I want to love about 2, but I can't because it's just, it's just too slow. It's too clunky. I was waiting and waiting and waiting for M2 to give us that beautiful treatment that they gave <sighs> to Have ps The Have you played
2: the Fantasy the, the, the Phan- the Phan- the Phan- the Star 2 version though? With, I mean, the, the PS2 version of this on Collection, it's, it's much more playable.
1: Yeah. Like, I really, really wanted something like that because that's such a unique RPG in its own right. And nowadays i don't find it very playable whereas today if you just give those simple m2 tweaks to fantasy star i still find it extremely playable i still had a very good time with it um so yeah i would also there's also something to to take to say about the scrolling dungeons which were really kind of the first of their kind on any home console just that really wizardry feeling to the the, home console rpg that wasn't kind of frame by frame the way that it was on the nes I think there's a lot to be said for that too, making Fantasy Star feel really unique and really special. So, yeah, I would say that it's a it's an entry for me on the pantheon.
0: It's, I I think when I look at the the criteria, I'm thinking, okay, it is quite historic. It is in its own way. It is Sega's you know flagship RPG. If anything, I wish Sega were still making RPGs. Cough cough. What are you yeah. doing, Sega? Um, obviously, um, it had a female protagonist. It was an early example of a sci-fi RPG in the JRPG space. It was absolutely gorgeous. It was pretty much the only good RPG to come out on the Sega Master System. Go listen to our, uh, go listen to our console RPG quest for the Sega Master System for more information yeah, on I, that. I was part. trying to think
2: if I should if I should fight for any other ones not really i mean I miracle warriors not great spellcaster not not great
0: what is the mark of greatness is it the graphics is that what it is
2: for this game or for this the, game
0: in particular uh, like, is that what sets it apart specifically the, yeah,
2: i think specifically the the graphics and and that isn't just the dungeons i mean the dungeons are a huge part of it because they were like a mind-blowing visual effect but yeah the the scope the scope of the game the you know the three worlds, the variety, uh the the, the battles, the cutscenes again, this is like before you know before Eastbook one and two, before any of the Sega CD games like the the presentation of this game was revolutionary and it showed us where we were going. like like you know it took a long time. It was really you know, this kind of a template for what like a thirty two bit RPG would be in ways, right? Yeah. like yeah, yeah, it was very ahead of its time,
1: and I feel like uh, something should be said for the fact the Algol Star system feels like an actual developed world that, starting with with one, it never feels like it's floundering in terms of you right. know, settings or places or characters, and that continues into two. I don't really have much to say about three, and of course, four wraps it all up like really nicely. And there's the end of your fantasy st- uh, star saga, unless you include online, and I don't know if you do or not, Shane. But yeah,
2: I, I do, and and you know, and again, it was a a sci-fi fantasy rpg when you know dragon warrior and final fantasy one were pretty vanilla with their with their worlds you know, this, yeah this the fantasy am-
0: did have time travel yeah
1: but it, it, it did. was like and very D right. monster manual right uh, heavy. yeah it, it
2: was it just kind of felt like yeah D D. right and like this this just was very very different and weird and special uh so i'm, I'm glad that nadia's got my back here because uh after recently <laughs> at least this is the one where you guys kind of talk Lunar, talk, talk not so great about Lunar, I was like, oh man, like hope, I hope cat doesn't come for the to, to attack my poor Alice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I like Alice very much. I think Fantasy Star is gorgeous and the graphics do still hold up, but you're having to kind of recontextualize and go, well, it was gorgeous for its time. This is gorgeous for a Sega Master System game. So in that sense... No, I, I think it, it still looks, it good. looks good. It still I... looks
2: good. I think it, if you showed someone... Especially the dungeons, they would anyone would be impressed. But like, yeah, I think the sprite work is good. I think the character art is good. I think the, the music's good the
0: world isn't that great. It's not pretty no.
2: good. Like when you get to Motavia and there's the animated weird antlion things hmm. and stuff. Come on, show me your NES game that does that.
0: I mean, Final Fantasy games like Final Fantasy three, I think, were able to match Fantasy Stars yeah. graphics. six years when later, say, seven, eight years. No, later, no, 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 Final Fantasy three oh, on the NES. NES. Oh, well, not in combat. The combat looks bad. Look, I'm not trying to poo-poo <laughs> Fantasy Stars graphics or anything like that. I'm just like, I feel like when I'm looking at it, I can put myself in a very specific headspace where I go, wow, this looks amazing for a Sega Master System game. Holy cow, what an incredible 8-bit RPG.
2: I wonder if you're biased against the SMS color palette. As a, no, the, I, don't, as an no I think this game
0: looks fantastic. I like, <laughs> I love how the enemies animate and that kind of thing. Um, it has a real visual style to it and everything it's just i'm going in my head for the time i still find it pleasant to look at i still like the monster designs i still think
1: yes there's some of it is like wow look what they did back in the day before nintendo really got it together but i still like looking at those monster designs i hmm. i think the dungeons could be stand to be a lot you know more varied but that for the time that's a very much a for the time sort of moment where you have to give uh sega props for doing what they did in the 80s but outside of the dungeons i just think that it's still a very pleasant looking rpg to look at extremely bright because like shane said growing up the uh, nes color palette's a lot different but yeah i still i still look at that game and say oh this is
0: a cool world i'm happy to be immersed in i mean if you step back from the actual like graphics and the artwork and everything like it's it's pretty conventional as RPGs go, I mean, there's nothing special about the battle system or the exploration. Uh, the story is kind of a pastiche of fantasy elements plus Star Wars with like the rebellion. It's
2: 1987. I'm judging <laughs> <you're laughs>
0: it against like
2: you're, you're like you know you yeah you had to be yes. there. You had to be there. I don't know. Oh, like... Come on,
0: Ultima <laughs> Four Man came out in like 1985. I know. I know that it's a console game, but still, it's not like. Well, and, You know, and I, and I, it's I, I play, not like not sophisticated RPGs were not coming out in 1987, well, okay?
2: And I would argue this that this game is better than Ultima 4. I've played Ultima 4. Um, but Ooh, yeah, for, for consoles, I think you are, yeah, I think, if, 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 you know, if you take it out of its context, then yes, you can you can say these things. But at, at the time, this was a... But then
0: you get into, does it hold up, like, territory, right? It's like, well, it's an 8 RPG... Like, we're going to contextualize it and I say... Think, I think we
2: found this out when it was re-released for the first time and well-received well, well received and well-regarded just recently. Mm-hmm. So I think I think your straw man argument is being defeated just like
0: King Lassic, <laughs> This is what I will say. When I was playing it, I was like, oh, I dig this. Like, I'm into this. This does not feel like a total bear to play until the second half. <laughs> when it started to overstay its welcome a bit and the dungeons were getting kind of ludicrous and there was a lot of hammering the a button and i was like okay i'm ready to be done with this a little bit you know like i think the first half is much more enjoyable than the second
2: similarly as much as i adore fantasy star 2 it's ridiculous dungeons with the teleportation pads also as the game progresses get unbelievably Mm -hmm. horrible oh like they're terrible blowing the badly designed um but yeah you know it's it's not easy to save the world Or the star system.
0: (laughs) My first thought was fantasy star, great game, but in many ways it's been surpassed by its successors. And it's a, it's a cool artifact in time and an interesting historical curiosity. But um, as for like putting it on a pedestal, like I was kind of like, I'm just not sure if you know what I mean. Like, I mean, but that same argument could be yeah, applied yeah. to
2: Super Mario Brothers or The Legend of Zelda. You can be like, oh, they have refined this and made much better versions of it. And if I only could choose one or two, would I still choose the original? And that doesn't make them less of groundbreaking landmark titles.
0: What specifically is groundbreaking and landmark about Fantasy Star versus like the original? Like the, I, I would agree that the original Mario and the original Zelda are groundbreaking landmark titles, uh, right?
2: Like, again, just to reiterate, like, like the combination of, of the scope of, you know the scope of the adventure across three planets, the amassing the party of unique characters with different abilities, the juxtaposition of the of the different points of perspective to show you know the the adventure from top down and first person. Uh, yeah, just and again the kind of creativity of of to- of theme and of setting. Like there was no other console game that did all of these things, and there really wasn't for a few more years. Like you wouldn't get like a sci-fi RPG of this type really until like, you know, maybe, you know, maybe something like Robo Trek. I, I don't even know. Like, you know, it, it's not a genre that was done very much for a it's long really time. not on
0: console. Mm-hmm. No.
2: Yeah. So. No. I, yeah. To me, to me, it always, it always was unique. And, uh, you know, I think even if you didn't play it back then, you knew about it because it was different it was marketed as being different.
0: Well, let's see what the listeners have to say. So, I put it to the discord. Should Fantasy Star be in the Pantheon, Matcom said, "I enjoyed my time with the game, but I doubt I would have stuck with it if not for the auto auto mapping. For me, it's in a pantheon gray area where its legacy and pioneering aspects are the selling point versus how well the actual gameplay holds up. It's enjoyable to a degree, but pretty repetitive. Once you hit a certain level, most battles are hit A to win, so the strategy only comes into play with bosses. That said, the interesting world and stellar artwork do a lot to make up for the less-than-amazing encounters. The quirky mix of characters and enemies, and colorful, contrasting environments are extremely memorable.
2: Yeah, I think Matt would be hard-pressed to find a console RPG in 1987 with a more complicated battle system.
0: <laughs> I suppose the original Final Fantasy, which came out in 1987, in 1990? Had, was in ni-
2: basically. In, in, you mean in 1990, North America, that game?
0: <laughs> well, I'm thinking about it in terms of like Japan.
2: Yes, um, had I had I read Japanese and imported Final Fantasy, it, that that battle system is more complicated. I w- I'll give it that. It's a little more ultimate.
1: Dragon Quest three was um, around, and that was getting a little more
0: complicated with the class
2: changes When's and whatnot. Like what,
0: nineteen eighty eight, eighty nine? There
2: 87, 80, 80 yeah,
0: 88. Early eighty-eight, yeah. Okay, it was early, yeah, and Fantasy Star was so if really you juxtapose Dragon Quest three. III... And Fantasy Star One. I think Fantasy Star One probably looks better than Dragon Quest Three, but Dragon Quest Three is a more sophisticated yeah, RPG definitely. overall.
2: Yeah, third, you know, third iteration though. They had time to refine. The oh, first sure. Dragon, the Fantasy Star's combat is better than Dragon Quest One's combat.
0: On consoles, eight-bit consoles, it is really hard to find an RPG that holds up as well as the original Fantasy Star. I would say that out of all exactly. of them, I'd probably be interested in replaying what DQ Three, Final Fantasy. And fantasy star, and that's know this, about it.
2: Have you not played the secret, secret best, NES RPG? Oh, what would De- that be? Destiny of an Emperor. Which one that? It's fantastic. I have not played that one. It's really it's Romance of Three Kingdoms JRPG. It's spectacular. It's it's like the secret best, yeah, secret best JRPG. That yeah, you guys should totally that eat, use That
0: and make a whole episode about it. Yeah, it's real good. I need to relay this to Jeremy Parrish, by the way, because he was wondering what the secret best thing is. And it turns out Destiny of an Emperor is the secret best thing from Shane.
2: Is it, or is it The Emperor? It's either The year of uh, A. And that, that, it was all, that game was not popular. Like, nobody played that game.
0: Spooky Man BR says, it absolutely deserves to be in the Pantheon as it is a pioneer in many different yes. aspects.
2: That's my old Spooky Man. Got it right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Historical importance is undeniable, especially given the represent, representation topic with the female protagonist in the development team. For the what it does better than anyone question, we need to take into perspective against its peers from the same era, which was the late '80s. Graphically speaking, it is an astonishing achievement in the Master System. Does it hold up? Thanks to the Sega Ages treatment, it absolutely does. Had a much better time with it than any early Final Fantasy or Dragon Quest game. To be Okay, honest. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far, but uh, he's right about everything else. I will say that the I wish that Shimagami Tensei Three Nocturne had gotten something similar to the Sega Ages treatment with uh, the HD remake. Yeah, like, yeah. The HD remake was okay, and it did actually any add quality qual- of I life. Sorry? I,
2: yet played. I thought there were some quality of life improvements. There right? are, there yeah. are, but
0: not to the level of Sega Ages where it, like, frickin' rescued it. And I'm not saying SMT3 Nocturne needed rescuing, but there were, like, many ways that they could have tightened it up, made it more accessible to people. And, like, Sega Ages, I think without Sega Ages, it would be like, this is, too hard to get into for like a modern player and thanks to sega ages they're like no like we have added the things that you need specifically the auto map. yeah
2: well and i give sega credit for starting to modernize these games back with those you know fantasy start releases on ps2 in japan because they you know they doubled the walking speed they lowered the encounter rate that kind of stuff like they, they didn't add the mapping that that's like an amazing thing to add but yeah i think i think there's hope maybe that you know these games could continue to get refined and revised and made you know more palatable in the future
0: Sega treats its library its retro library better than almost any publisher out there and I give them a lot of credit for it they certainly treat old fantasy star better than they do uh fantasy star in the current day which is a little baffling to me
2: oh god yeah what's yeah, like they, there've been weird spinoffs. Like, what was the what was the Vita game? Oh, yeah, no, I yeah. Know. I
0: mean, there was Fantasy Star Universe, which was not great, and they just seem to. It's the same. It's the same problem that Shining Force suffers. You're just going, "What are they doing?"
2: Okay, Shining is Shining is way weirder. Yeah. Like, now there are Shining games. Where I'm like, what even is this? Right, where it's like Shining Refrain or something. It's like I don't even know what this is. Yeah.
1: Why are they like Shining? Maybe you know why are they so hesitant to. Visit Fantasy Star outside of the online
2: universe. I, you know, I, I wish I knew. And uh, the, I remember in the Saturn days, there was always this rumor of Fantasy Earth that never happened. You know, a Fantasy, a Fantasy Star Five. Right, um, I forgot. But about you that. know, Fantasy Star Online was a real kind of love letter to Fantasy Star, and does directly connect to Fantasy Star. Um, so it is kind of canon. I actually do consider, I, I consider Oh, Phantasy is it Star Online to be canon? Yeah, because I'm
1: watching my husband play too, and it's really wild. Like you have some like. I, I I mean, Final Fantasy XIV is horny as hell, but Fantasy Star Online Two beats it by uh, a <laughs> wide margin. I'm looking at these men running around with thongs, like what's I going on? Say, in the as PSO has system? gone on
2: in time; it's you know, kind of diverged further and further from the first, you know, the first one, which was very Phantasy Star One related. Um, they have last boss was Dark Force. and uh, but you know, I I am happy that it's that it is a franchise that does continue to get new releases, even if they don't bear much resemblance to the original games anymore.
0: I think that maybe the Sega is just hesitant to revisit it because there's nobody willing to go to bat for Fantasy Star, maybe. But then again, Rei Kodama's is still there. Yeah, so. exactly. Make use of her. Make good use of her. Maybe they finished Fantasy Star Four, and they're like, "Well, I mean, we're at done. this point,
2: we're I think they, you know." Everything should be remade again as like a as like a you know like post FF seven remake. It's like imagine if you remade any of the Fantasy Star games with that kind of scope. Not that Sega would do that, but like just imagine if you really could go like oh quadruple A. It's like re re envision Fantasy Star (laughs) One as like a quadruple A game, right? Like
0: well, that's what I was talking about with Ultima a little while ago. I was like, if I could unearth one EA game from their vault, it would be Wing Commander. But the second game would be Ultima because mm-hmm. it's insane to me. Cause it should yeah, be their like, Witcher. I think if
2: they took Ultima Seven and did like a Witcher style remake of that. Because it's a pretty cool story actually. Yeah. I didn't even play the whole thing, but I watched a friend of mine play through a lot of it. And uh yeah, and you're right about Wing Commander. Like Wing Commander was the quadruple A game of its time. Like like Wing Commander and Wing Commander 2, like I had friends buying new computers just to run those games back then. Yeah.
0: And finally old man Jable says, I really liked Fantasy Star at first. It's as beautiful as 8-bit titles can be and feels well ahead of its time in a lot of regards. At the best of times, it puts the NES Final Fantasy, some of the NES Dragon Quest, and the Famicom Megami Tensei titles to shame. Unfortunately, it's very shallow mechanically, which betrays the game as it falls apart at the final stretch. The entire game is a basic attack test through and through. Most attack is use magic is useless and MP is precious, so offensive magic is best. Concerned for bosses. The same time, the last twenty five percent of the game, around the time the spaceport closes, is directionless and aimless. There are a lot of meandering dungeons and finding the same recolored sprites. with The oh, same. But that red dragon's at, really hard, infinitum. and
2: he is right about the magic points. Like that's the thing is, like you have so few magic points, you can cast like yeah. three spells.
0: <laughs> you really need to. I mean, well, the magic is really. Uh, powerful, especially at the beginning, because you can heal yourself in basically one magic spell, but yeah, but also you can you have like three charges. The fact charges, that I still remember basically. having to cast
2: thunder on yeah, the last I... boss like, after all these years is like, oh okay yeah, that's, you know, in 30 years.
0: <sighs> Eventually new useful items and weaponry drives up and money becomes useless, meaning exploration ceases to be rewarding at the exact same time that the game is at its most freeform and exploratory. Because of the way the damage calculations work, you feel at like your weakest, donning the legendary weapons and armor of myth. Enemies from the start of the game that did two damage at level one are doing fifteen. The Laconian weapons do two damage to hulking enemies. It feels bad in the process. I mean, he's of definitely
2: right, and I think in hindsight, it's probably like, it's amazing that this team made this thing, and then like as they got towards, the end, they're like, oh wait, we don't really know how to exactly how to end this thing, and like the last third of the game does suffer from like a lack of follow through and ideas, but I could point to lots of really good JRPGs cough, cough, Final Fantasy IX that do a similar thing that kind of fall apart in the final <laughs> mm-hmm. act. You know.
0: No, no, the final act is totally attributed to fantasy. The improvements from Sega Ages are nice, but can only ameliorate the sagging pace so much. Being the first JRPG to have a female protagonist is big and cannot be discounted as an original title from the time. I feel it stands with the best of its peers from the era, but Taken as a whole package, Sega Ages in all, when compared to the improved versions of DQ and 1 and 3 on Super Famicom, the Don of Souls version of FF1, or the Kyuyaku Megami Tensei and SF on Super Famicom, which covers the first two Megami Tensei titles, I feel like Fantasy Star really fails to stand the test of time. I would not recommend this game to 90% of RPG gamers, and I do not feel it deserves to be in the Pantheon. Ouch.
1: We killed Shane. That's it. Sorry oh, it was Shane, dead. are yeah, you still I just, alive? I'm startled. There? I'm stunned.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, he is shook, folks. I can't agree with that, but
0: yeah. Harsh. Admittedly, I was going there were a lot of very positive responses in the Discord. And ultimately, if something like thirty five to six felt that yeah. should be in the Pantheon versus people <sighs> not be in the Pantheon. But I felt it was important that old man jables is a very long argument well, and, and <laughs> i think it shows that, like you
2: know, something that is revolutionary at the time that later a lot of other things catch up to um and then its flaws are more glaring the further you get away from it and i you know the fact that i still remember the end game being really grueling back in the day <laughs> uh yeah um mm-hmm. and i i think that it is you can still return to it but like with a lot of games of that era you have to prepare yourself for a bit of a grind and a bit of a haul and for some things that despite mm-hmm. the best efforts of M2 can't get kind of modernized
0: so i guess the last question is like in summary like what's the elevator pitch for this being in the in the pantheon I chain? think
2: it is a pioneering science fiction fantasy epic a uh, spacefaring adventure with a uniquely female perspective, and for all those reasons, it deserves to be in the pantheon.
1: I think it's like a really breakout title for a lot of really legendary programmers. I think that the female perspective really lends it to a, really gives it an extra push as a an epic uh, fantasy story, and plus you have the sci-fi element, which was unique at the time, and I think still lets the game feel like a really sprawling adventure that
0: into unknown territories. I think that the original Fantasy Star A, it's Sega's defining RPG. Um, sorry, Shining Force. And it also inaugurated a sprawling series that was not something that you saw on console at the time. It was a freaking space epic. Like, move over, Mass Effect. We had Fantasy Star first, right?
1: Phantasy <laughs> Star cool. Andromeda. I also think it's we did this not game
2: see in, that. Introduced some dark elements that were like... M- Magnified in future, in future as especially the second one. So yeah, like
0: oh, and I love the, I just love the artwork in this game, the manga cutscenes, yeah, and it, you thing. know, we're so limited, good.
2: What you could do on an SMS was not much, and these artists did did a great job. I think this has some of the best, you know, just like yeah, full screen, you know, like you know, cutscene images that were produced for eight bit.
0: All right, the community says it should be in the pantheon. Shane, does it deserve to be in the pantheon?
2: Hell yes. Get in there, meow.
0: Nadia yes I would say so and I will say that it also I've been turned around it deserves to be in the pantheon. Put, on, put on
2: the FM and version it, of fan. that of battle music and just dance because like I think if you drop that in the club like for real if you, if you mix <laughs> it into the club it would be
0: on the floor it's great and with that fantasy star one is officially in the pantheon and that is it for this episode Yay. of Pantheon of the Blood God. Thank you so much to everybody for listening. We're gonna keep doing this, as always, next month. We have not yet set out the voting for next month, but indie RPGs is gonna be the theme. So please look forward to that. That's gonna be a lot of fun. In the meantime, there are lots more Pantheon episodes where that came from, including our exploration of Shimigami Tensei 3 Nocturne last month, Mass Effect, we did Terra Enigma. We did Final Fantasy VIII. And, of course, we did Skies of Arcadia, which was the first one we ever did. Uh, the Pantheon's getting pretty full at this it point. It is. I
1: mean, the original Greek Pantheon was something like 12 gods, so uh, they didn't like sharing space. I guess so we'll have to that, Do we have
0: to have a limited Pantheon? I think you could expand you know, it, like,
2: like, you know, multiverse of gods. Why not?
0: The thing is, maybe we should, like, start kicking games out of the Pantheon. Sorry. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> oh. Get out of here, System Shock 2. <laughs> that way poor <laughs> system shock too it had its moments get, get out, out of no, here final Fantasy eight you can't
2: take <laughs> well no, yeah adaya has to stay
0: thank you shane see <laughs> see nadia he's on my side Adea
2: for life someone has mean, to be
0: uh, it has
2: its problems but it's it's pretty special and that ending that ending watch that ending again oh my god
1: the ending
0: was pretty good i do love the ending. the ending was very good Go listen to the old episode. All right, that's it for us. You can find me on Twitter at the underscore catpod. naughty is at Nadia Oxford and Twitter is at Pod. Huh, Shane, is there anywhere we can find you?
2: Yes, you can look at my gifts of like old 80s commercials and political ramblings on Twitter at ShaneWatch, all one
0: word. And you're also on Retronauts. And I really enjoy your old just random screen caps of old video games or old commercials or whatever. Uh, they really brighten my day, Shane.
2: Oh, thanks. Because I I think my Twitter uh, is weird and I'm surprised people follow me.
0: (laughs) Okay, that's it for us. We'll be back next month. But until then, for Nadia, Shane, and myself, thanks for listening. Happy adventuring.